Let's stand together as we go to Romans 11. I just want to preach a faith-building sermon tonight. I just, I'm excited about Palm Sunday next week. We're going to have palm branches. We're going to get excited. We're going to celebrate. Come and, and join us, if you would, please, and, and just celebrate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that became our Messiah. I'm going to be preaching on He is still my Messiah. Amen. How many still need a Savior? We never arrive, do we? We still need a Savior. I'm going to be preaching on that next week. I'm excited about that. And then Easter Sunday. Woohoo! Resurrection of our Redeemer. I, I should get a little bit more. You guys are rough today. I should get a little bit more out of that. Easter Sunday, he came out of the grave. We're going to celebrate him getting up. He's not, any, he's not just any religious ruler. He didn't die and stay dead. Amen? We're going to celebrate Love is Alive next Sunday, and I, or Easter Sunday, and I'm really excited about that. We're going to have a little Easter egg hunt. If you are a kid, whether you're, you know, 2 or 92, you can go on the Easter egg hunt. Just don't be elbowing 6-year-olds if you're 25, okay? you got to let them 6-year-olds get some eggs. We'll be doing that on the premises, and uh, if you want to help with stuffing Easter eggs, let us know. We'll get you lined up to help. They're just little plastic eggs with candy in it, and if you um, want to help with uh, giving kids insulin afterwards, please see me, and we'll show you how to do that. No, I'm kidding, but we're going to give out some candy and have a good time, and everyone say Resurrection Sunday. It's going to be good, so I'm glad about that. And then today we want to go to the word of the Lord and just talk a little bit about our awesome God. Amen. Romans 11, verse 33. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say oh me. Okay, a couple of you wait. I'm waiting on you. Romans 11, 33. We had some really great reports of what God's been doing. Just a quick report. Um... Sri Lanka is moving along. We are doing uh, the first site in Sri Lanka of a aquaponic system that'll feed 250 people or about 60 families. And uh, they're identifying the recipients of that feed right now, of those that will receive it and that will care for it, um, as well as we're, we just found um, someone who could dig the wells for us. They don't have a lot of water that stays above the, the bedrock. There's a rock layer in Sri Lanka, and you have to get below the rock layer, but the water that comes out is very hard, and so we have to filter it, and we were trying to get the right filtration situation with the engineers over there so that we don't have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to provide water. What's happening is their kidneys are failing because the water is so hard. How many know we deserve to have a good drink of water? <laughs> I mean, you just that's one thing that we want to provide. And so we're doing Project LifeSpring of putting a well next to this aquaponic system. And we're trying to figure out the best way to do that. But I think it's important that we know that we're not just giving them water, we're giving them life. And if we can do that, I, I feel great about it. Not only that, but we're taking an education package in there that's going to give them water and spirit. Amen? water and spirit. I'm kind of on that theme right now. It's not just a Bible study. It's a life goal for me. Amen. So just an update. I got a phone call and uh, looks like the well where we thought it was going to be about ten dollars to $12,000 for a well. We found a company that will drill it for us for $3,500. So I just want to celebrate the Lord because there was no way. There was no way. We could have done it without him. 
There was just no way. It was so prohibitive, and we just thought this deal is done. But God opened the door, and uh, we're able to do it. So I just thank the Lord for his provision. Romans 11.33. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, I think we got everybody. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge. How many know that's the same thing? Of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. They are uncomprehensible is what that means. They're past finding out. You just can't search them out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again? Or who has given to God to where God owes him something is what that means. And the last verse says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Everything is the Lord's. Amen. Let's pray together as we talk about our awesome God. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. We know that you are a God who owns and desires for us to own great things. But God, we don't just want to be a, a creature that worships something that's created in our life. We want to continue to worship our creator. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You may be seated. It's the buzzer beater. And we are on the wrong side of a floating three-pointer. We didn't go to the final four because our floating three-pointer, which was a miracle, got us into overtime. But the Florida Gators floating three-pointer got them the victory. And one swish at the buzzer erased an entire game of effort before it. Amen? And sometimes when we look at that, we think, wow, one side is praying to win, the other side is praying to win, and it seems like God's not interested in the game. But when someone has a drive and a desire and they have skill that is amazing, sometimes that skill pushes them to the point where they get the opportunity and the miracle shot. And it was interesting to watch as, as all of a sudden a hush huddled over the place where I was watching the game. And all of a sudden someone that was, was very invested in the game went, Oh, come on! What? How did that happen? One basket took away an entire evening of exciting ups and downs, emotional ins and outs, and we all stood there with our jaws down going, I cannot believe that just happened. And while we look at the awesome talent of the basketball player that had the final shot, I want you to know I'm talking about the final four as I was finishing up the, the celebration of what was going on for Wisconsin Badgers, but I was just blown away by the fact that all the noise, all the ruckus, all the excitement of what was was happening in the room of, of how we were winning and how we were going to win and how we went into overtime. It all, it all went quiet with one swish. Amen. And I thought of the fact that the enemy, the devil, if he had known what Jesus was doing on the earth and what crucifying Jesus truly meant, the devil thought he had won with the miracles and with the ins and the outs and the things that Jesus had done and the ups and the downs and trying to, to get rid of this man called Jesus in Jerusalem and take away his, his influence against all of the religious rulers and all of the things that were going on. The Bible said if the devil had known, he would not have crucified Jesus. 
Jesus because in knowing it was the one thing that hushed hell forever. It was the one thing that took away all of the, the boast of the enemy. That when Jesus died on the cross, there was a shaking and there was a split of the veil from the top to the bottom in the sanctuary. And it was a final statement of this is no longer something that can be contained. Forever it will be available to whosoever will. Anyone that wants it is that has access no longer do you have to go through a priest one time a year to take a lamb offering a spotless lamb and sacrifice blood on the mercy seat but now the veil has been torn the holy of holies is available to anyone that wants to be holy before their God and seek after God and now you and I brothers and sisters don't just have a one year event where we save up plan up buy a lamb take it to the priest have him inspect it have him sacrifice it have him put it on the altar of incense and do different things that they did with the lamb and then take that blood into the holy of holies a special room where if you weren't right with God you were struck by the presence of God you didn't even survive as flesh if you walked in there and you weren't right with God but now us who are not perfect someone said amen can walk into the presence of an awesome and powerful and mighty God and he says you can boldly come you can boldly come whosoever will is welcome that's the drug addict underneath the bridge hello somebody that's the person that you think can't do anything but when they grab a guitar they start singing on a bench somewhere and they have a voice like an angel you would never know people and the talents that are buried in people's lives and you just think that they're another person maybe their unfortunate situations have put them in places where you cannot possibly even find a way to respect where they are in life right now but regardless of that God is not interested in the cathedrals and the paintings and the beauty of man that's built edifices to their God in places where you walk in and there's a holy hush because it's supposed to be reverent and respectful because we are in awe of God because of the, the tabernacle that's been built for God. That is not where God chose to dwell. He chose to dwell in the alcoholic under the bridge. He chose to dwell in the drunkard that didn't know how to get out of their situation but he can wash them and cleanse them and make them new and he said I will tabernacle among men in their hearts I will walk with men but I'm not just going to walk with them I'll die on a cross sever a veil and I will be in them and I will be their God and they will be my people amen somebody so God has a work to do and it's not just a work where we can stand back and go well that's cute look what God has done but it's a work where we literally stand back and respect and go how could God take someone like that and use them the way he's using them like that literally people from the lowest places coming to God but also not just the lowest places does he tabernacle with men but in the highest places as well the people with refined degrees and degrees upon degrees and degrees and enough to make a thermometer jealous and more things than you could imagine would be would be done in their life if they if they just uh, had all the opportunities and some of them do they have pedigrees like you wouldn't believe but God deserves the best amen 
He doesn't just deserve our last and our worst. He deserves our best. So God is not only willing to take and clean up the worst and put his his life-giving spirit into them, but he's also willing to take the best when they get to the point where they realize that all of my best efforts, all of my best education, all of my high and lofty goals that I have accomplished do nothing for me to really satisfy the inside of my soul and the, the inner part of my being, but there's something in me that wants more. God said, what you're missing is you're missing me tabernacling in your life. I can take the worst and make them awesome, and I can take the awesome that feels like they've done everything and it didn't help their life, and they, I can make them great as well. It doesn't matter where you come from. Great or small, God uses them all. Amen. Somebody. So it's not often that we find ourselves looking at the word of God and going, wow, what, what, what a small God. When we look at the stories, we see a picture of an, a, a magnificent, mighty, and awesome God. The reason why there is a hopeless world is because everything in our world is magnifying the problems and making God small. Amen? Hopelessness is where your problems are bigger than your hope. And I, I believe that God is the God of great restitution. But sometimes when we look at the stories of the word of God, we occasionally stumble because we think that that's not maybe the God that I see in my life. Maybe I'm not seeing the great power that I'm seeing in these pages come to life in my own personal life. I want you to know that if that's the case, we just need to just re-examine the God that we serve. Amen? We need to go back and just say, look at what God has done for our lives. He brought me out a long ways. You have a story just like I do. Maybe your story doesn't have as many bumps in the road as mine does, but I know mine has a lot of bumps in the road. I know that whenever you can get out of a situation like I was in, in a young life, and you can live for God, I don't know what works for you or what doesn't work for you to magnify your God. Maybe it's reading the word a little bit. Maybe it's some prayer time. That does it for me. I don't know about you, but maybe also you can go back and look over your life and see in reverse the things that he has reversed. Amen. See backwards better than you can see forward what God has done for you. Philip J.B. Phillips in his book entitled Your God is Too Small titled it so that all would know exactly what his message was. Many of us struggle because our God is so much smaller than the God of the Bible. We have him neatly defined and kept him in a small box. Amen. And of our own making sometimes. It's our, if our God is too small, perhaps we need to take another look at the God of the Bible. Amen, Amen somebody. Over the centuries, theologians have used certain words to describe his essence, and I'm thankful for that. He's a sovereign God. Amen. Right. He's a mighty God. Amen. Amen. He's omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. Amen. He's omniscient, meaning all-knowing. He's omnipresent, meaning everywhere at the same time. He's here, but he's also in China. He's also in Bangladesh at the same time. Which, just a side note, Brother Harris just sent me a message the other day that in the first few months, two months that he's been on the field, we sponsor Brother Harris. Our missionary funds go toward Brother Harris. He's had to over 200 people get the Holy Ghost in the last two months. I've been praying for him every day. I know God's doing a great work. I want you to know that while God's working with him right now, maybe not on this time clock, obviously, but while he's working in Bangladesh, he's doing a work here too. Amen? He's an infinite God. Amen? 
He's an eternal God. He's an immortal God, the scripture says. He's the only wise God. I love that one. He's the only wise God. That means that if you say he's the only wise God, then all the others are dumb. That's, that's really what that's saying. Which means that God is well able to mention only a few of these words. I don't know what you have for adjectives for your God. But every once in a while I just say he's awesome. See where I came from was a broken family, a broken home, and a broken situation. And when I get to the point where I start feeling a little down, I have one statement that picks me up. Are you ready for it? 42 years of spiritual learning from the word of God. This is my scholarly interpretation. Are you ready? You don't seem that ready. Are you ready for 42 years of my life? <laughs> 42 years of my life has given me one statement that keeps me going for God. It's our God is awesome. I don't need anything else. I know all of what the word of God says. I need salvation. Yes, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm out of the book. I'm saying when I get to a point where I feel down or I feel discouraged or I don't feel like things are going right, I have to realize that my life, circumstances, situations are not held by anything other than a God who is awesome. So when I look at, when I look at my situation, I think, hey, God is greater than this problem. God is greater than this circumstance but there is nothing that can change God. So no matter what changes in my life, no matter what circumstances come against me, God has not changed. Only life circumstances have changed. So when I got here this morning, the projector wasn't working. So I had to run to Best Buy and buy a projector. Y'all didn't know that. I just look like I've been doing this all morning. I've been in the back praying and studying all morning. No, actually I'm racing to Best Buy trying to get a new projector in so that we could have words so we could worship. What a morning. Morning, amen. I didn't. I don't. I don't stand. I don't get here this morning. Turn things on. The projector's not working. People are looking at me, Pastor. What do we do? And I, I don't go well. Obviously, the Lord is not awesome this morning. God's just horrible. He's He's falling apart. His church. We can't even have projection. How are people going to read the scriptures on the screen? I didn't have that kind of thinking. What I do is I go well. We need to fix it. It's a mechanical item. They break down. We're going to fix it. We're going to get it done. And then guess what? Whenever I'm going through my life and I find out that things happen that change and circumstances come in and people call me and say things are going on and there's problems in, in, in the health of your mother or the situation. I don't change my opinion of God. He's still an awesome God. Amen. Nothing can change my opinion of God in the sense that whenever I have struggles and, and troubles and temptations, God is still an awesome God. I remember I remember a student that was going to school and he uh it was about Christmas break and he hadn't studied he was cramming for a test and he got his test and he started answering questions and he got down to the last test and he he said I, I don't I don't know how you could even know these answers. So he wrote across the bottom, only God can know the answers to these questions. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and he got back from Christmas break and the teacher gave him his paper. And it said across the top, God gets 100, you get a zero. <laughs> that was a pretty good joke, folks. I'm just testing your humor level today. God gets 100, you get a zero. And so sometimes we have zero going on, but God is still 100% capable of handling anything. Amen? Right. I had a situation where I had to put faith in God, and maybe you've done that too. Um, Whenever I came from an abusive home, I had I had run in, I had gone on vacation and 
trying to tell a story um, in a way that would be not too sad, but I'd gone on vacation and we were with my grandparents and, and I ran into the kitchen as a little boy and I jumped on her little rug right in front of the, right in front of the sink and she had hardwood floors. So it'd slide like, you know, 40 feet. Oh, was that fun? I just run in and jump on that rug and I would just surf that rug across the kitchen floor. And my grandmother came around the corner. How many have ever had your grandmother use your middle name? And you know, you're in some serious trouble. And see, she said, Joe Don Eugene. Now, I don't want you to ever repeat my middle name ever again, okay? This is just for an illustration. She said, Joe Don Eugene, you stop that right now, boy. I'm going to wear you out. How many know what wear you out in the South means? It means you're about to feel the wrath of something called a belt or something. And she said, I'm going to wear you out. And I turned around because I was wanting to create some sort of a shock. And I said, you're going to spank me till I bleed? You know, because I had been beaten, unfortunately. And she did one of these convulsions like, <gasps> like, you know, like just taken back that someone would do something like that to me. And I still have a few scars on my leg to prove it. But the thing that was, was most concerning to her was that someone would do that to her grandchild. And I want you to know that if my grandmother was appalled at what was being done to me, and we found out, you know, through investigation and through child um, protection, we got all of them involved, and eventually my stepdad went to jail for 15 years, and all of that happened. But regardless of, of where we were at, if my grandmother would convulse at something that abused me, how much more do you think God loves you whenever something comes into your life that you feel like is not appropriate? or shouldn't be there or is not effective or doesn't help you and guess what the thing that I learned that pain always has a purpose as long as you go through the process pain always has a purpose I remember whenever I was reading about about Peter and Peter is trying to I have a whole bunch of notes but for some reason I can't get to him I think the Lord wants me to talk about this so I'm going to go here Peter was really was willing to love the Lord with all of him with all of his life he laid down his career and and followed Jesus but there came a point where a little girl stood up and Jesus was going to the cross we'll be talking more about it next week and Jesus was on his way to the cross and he would give his life for all mankind a perfect sacrifice but when Jesus went to the cross Peter was following close behind and Jesus had already told him Peter you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows two times you will have denied me three times and in the on the way to the cross Peter d denies Jesus in and he's like He's like, I love you, Lord, at one moment, and then the other moment, he's denying him. And it, have you ever been in a place where, where you, you, you said you did something until you didn't? You said you were going to be something until you weren't? Have you ever made that mistake before? Have you ever been there where you, you feel bad about it? And just imagine Jesus telling Peter that he was going to deny him when Peter said, no, I love you too much to deny you. And then on top of that, when he does deny him, Jesus is looking right at him. Can you imagine the hurt and the pain in Peter's life coming from that but then later on Jesus asks him three times Peter do you love me and Jesus was like I do love you and he's like feed my sheep and then he asked him again do you love me and he repeats 
Do you love me to Peter three times, Simon Barjona? He repeats that to him three times because he denied him three times. I believe God was saying, as much as you deny me, I want you then to show me how much you then love me. And I want to know if there's anybody in here that has enough faith to believe that anytime we make a mistake in our life, that God may come around and give us an opportunity to prove to him that we are feeling like God, we were feeling like we want to change that opinion of Jesus in our life. We want to prove to God that we have something that we stand upon and that we believe in. And I, I, I truly have had the opportunities where I have fell down to get back up, but not only to walk in the grace of God, but to also be able to prove to God that I want to live for him the best way possible and then recover the respect and the honor of walking with God. Amen. And against the backdrop of what so many consider a very powerful set of verses, we see that the secret of things that belong to our God are found in this scripture that I read to you. The fact that there are deep riches of God. Wisdom is knowing what to do. Knowledge is knowing how to do it. Whenever I look at a broken vehicle, I can tell you what's wrong with it, but I can't tell you always how to fix it. And that is definitely what's going on here when it says in verse 33, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Not only does he know what to do, but he knows how to do it. Amen. And then it goes on to say how unsearchable are his judgments. In other words, as the heavens are high above the earth, Isaiah said, higher than the earth, so are the, my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts in Isaiah 55 and 9. There is a fundamental category difference between God of his creation and his thoughts. The God that created us, created us with the ability to think amazing things, even think about our thoughts and process things. But he is so much higher than that. We have to be careful that we don't analyze God in the way that we think and think that's all there is. God is able to do so much greater. He exceeds us in so many ways. He's so much higher. And precisely that, we have to understand that whatever we come to as a conclusion, it does not mean that that is the conclusion. Amen, somebody. Because God is not a God that thinks the way we think. Therefore, it should not be a surprise to us. God has many things we don't understand. Anytime I have somebody that tells me they know it all or they have all the answers, I get a little bit twitchy. I get a little bit nervous. I don't know it all. I, I can't possibly know this entire book. You know that. But I am filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost said he'll lead and guide us into all truth. And so the fact that I know enough to live for God and to serve God, I'll tell you straight out that I don't know everything. I don't know why some things happen the way they do, but I've watched God use the pain in people's lives to do something better with it than they could ever do without it. In other words, when they went through the process, when they lived out that pain, I have been able to minister to more abused people than I would have ever been able to minister to had I not known what abuse was like. I have been able to process what abuse looks like faster. People walk in the door and I can tell when there's something going on in their life. 
I can literally sense it because I know what that looks like. I know what it feels like. I know what the weight of the world on your shoulders feels like. And I can tell you that out of all of that, I just keep on saying God's able. God is awesome. He can do a work. He can change a life. He can bring somebody around because I wasn't supposed to be where I am right now. But God can use it. And if he can use me, little old me, one with the middle name of Eugene, that should disqualify you right there. If he can use me, he can use you. What does he want to do with your life? If you start believing that God is awesome regardless of what it looks like, it'll forever change your days. If you can believe that God is awesome regardless of what your home looks like right now, I mean, you like everybody got dressed, threw clothes all over the bed, everybody got in the car and you're all here and you're going back home maybe to a mess at home. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you barely got cereal in the kids, you know, in, in, for breakfast for the kids and then you got here. It doesn't matter how life is going for you. It matters that you know that regardless of the ups and downs, God is still awesome. God is still able and God is still powerful. And he can do great things. There are some questions that Job asked God when he was at the lowest point of his life. Job discovered that when God engaged him in a long series of questions, he probably wished that he would not have asked any questions of God. Because in Job 38 and 4, it says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Another question, he says, Where, where, do, you, where do you hide the snow? And, and he starts talking about stars and do, do you know the name of Ashtaroth? And other, it's like Job was out of his league the second he started questioning God, amen? And God turns around and says, I just want to ask you a couple questions, Job. He asks him in 41 and 14, he said, who dares to open the doors of his mouth ringed about with the fearsome teeth? And he said, he's like, who, who, who can give an answer to God? That's the first question. The answer to the first question is no. The answer to the second question is not me. I, I, I cannot answer that I was there at the foundation of the earth, and I cannot speak to the fact that someone should speak to God because God knows all. And the answer to every question between those two questions and the gamut of questions that God asked Job and Job in, in his book is that, there's no way we could possibly understand a God who is so magnificent and so great. We just can't put our mind around it. Have you ever had God reveal something to you that you thought was that was, was life-changing and you wish you would have learned earlier in life, but he gave it to you at the perfect time for you to use it in the perfect situation? See, Peter that I was talking about, he denies Christ and then even a few verses before that, he, he has a revelation. Now, the revelation that he has is that he, Jesus is asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. He's always the, the impetuous one. And it's funny how God uses impetuous people. Anybody know somebody that's a little bit off the chain? God will use them too. And so Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, when you address me, and say who I am to you, I'm always going to turn around and address you and tell you who you are. 
So Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, this was a revelation. So whenever you tell God who he is to you, he tells you who you are in a revelation. Amen? So you can get a revelation from God if you keep on telling God who he is to you. I'm going somewhere. Are you following me? If you just begin to have situations come up and circumstances happen and all kinds of problems and maybe dis distress and struggle and stress on the job, whatever it may be for you, I personally am having a very wonderful Sunday. I don't care about projectors not working. I'm having a very wonderful Sunday. I'm excited about going to California. Amen, somebody. So I'm, I'm happy to go traveling a little bit this week. But regardless of how good my week is going, or regardless of how bad my week is going, I have one answer to the enemy that would come and say, it's not working, it's not going to, it's not going to be successful. Because the enemy does speak that to me. He speaks that to me about people I'm praying for. He speaks that to me about people I know right now that are sick in their body. It's not going to work. Those stripes were for our healing, I know, on the cross. But that, that cross just doesn't seem to be doing a lot right now. And I tell you that even though the enemy will come say that to me, I have, a, I have a statement to make to the enemy and to the world through my life and through everything that I do, that my God is still awesome no matter what is going on. No, my God is still awesome no matter who I'm praying for that I haven't seen saved yet. My God is still awesome no matter who's still sick before and after a prayer. I believe he is still awesome. And when I say that, to my God, when I get into my moments of prayer and I say, God, you are awesome no matter what this situation looks like, he always returns and says something to me that's revelatory. He always reveals something about my life. And so Peter was told that you're going to be given the keys of the kingdom and upon this rock or revelation that I am the Christ, that I will build my church and the gates of hell what shall not prevail against it? Amen. In other words, the government, gates mean government in that passage. The government or the plans or the plotting of the enemy will never prevail against God's church. How many are glad you're in the church of the living God? We arrange, we arrange so many things to try to do what God can do if we just let him. Amen. We set up so many protections for ourselves that God can do for us if we just let him. And so the scripture says he knows everything there is to know. Oh, the depths of the riches of his wisdom. The apostle Paul was well acquainted with God as any man ever was. I think he was very gifted in understanding who God was, yet he confesses himself at, the loss, at a loss to know the depths of God. How deep is God? Amen. Some people think they're deep when they're just stuck. <laughs> Have you ever known somebody that posts on Facebook or posts on social media and they think they're deep? God is this and God is that. And they think they're so deep. You know what? You don't know God like you think you do. The way that you can know God is through prayer and the revelation of who he is. And there's oceans deeper than we can even plumb the depth of him God's deeper than that amen there's there's the, the scripture tells us that he is 
uh, beyond finding out. He's a sovereign God. In man's sin, he's God eternal in the plan to shut down the, the devil and the enemy. He's, he's God of all um, authority and power. He's credible in, re, in, in the things that he does because he always keeps his word and he's incredible in his redemption. Amen. It's the theology and understanding of the doxology of God that God keeps his word. And if there is a word on it, if there's something you could find in your Bible as a promise, you not only have that promise for the people that you read it for, but that promise is for you too. Amen. So if you ever get to a place where you need encouragement, you need to study out the word of God and just find out that he is a God of justice, amen? That he's a God of wisdom, amen, somebody? That he's a God of grace and a God of forgiveness, that we considered him. My grandmother used to sing an old hymn by Samuel Franson. Francis. It was, oh, the depth, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasurable, boundless, and free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its f fullness over me underneath me all around me is the current of thy love leading onward leading homeward to thy glorious rest above she used to sing it and celebrate God and you know what she stays saved on that song amen we need it we need a whole band sometimes to get us excited to worship but she could just stand and sing it a cappella. then the church would rise up I remember in the day whenever she would get up open her little hymnal my brother still has the book it has notes in it and it's beautiful. It's just one of those little three-ring binder hymnals with all the hymns in it. And she would write notes about how this song encouraged her. And she would get up and she would say, turn to 251. And anybody remember these days? 251. And everybody had a book in the back of their pew. And we would all turn and we would begin to sing, oh, how great and wonderful the Lord is. And there's all kinds of songs. And I can't even remember them. But they were able to serve and live for God on those songs. And I still remember going back in 2010 to Alaska and we were hiking a mountain and my old pastor was whist was whistling one of those old songs that my grandmother used to sing and you know what they could celebrate they could live on they could thrive on the understanding that God is a God who no no matter what my life looks like no matter where I come from or where I'm going no matter when I, I take my last breath or, or no matter what happens to me in life he's a God that deserves all of my praise all the glory of my life belongs to God. Amen. And I appreciate the fact that I know how great God is. She used to sing, How Great Thou Art. You guys know that song. And I remember her voice. I, I'd love to just hear her voice one more time. Anybody ever been there? Just want to hear something one more time. And I, I can tell you that, that that woman and that man, whether they were perfect or not, it didn't matter. They served a perfect God. And they walked their way back to the back of a church that they were planning in Palmer, Alaska. That's cold. Everyone say, that's cold. My grandfather knew how to play C, G, and F. Brother Dan, <laughs> Brother Rob. C, G, F, and D. That's what he knew how to play. And if we were going to sing a song at church, it was going to be C, G, F, and D. It didn't matter what song it was. We didn't even have a good capo back then. We just had to play and sing it at whatever key it was at. So someone was always in the ceiling singing, and somebody was always in the basement singing. And that's how we had church. But my grandmother said to my grandfather, Honey, you know, we need more than just your guitar to do church. Guitar. Yes, I said it. And so... 
they decided they were going to go to the back of the church. And so in the back of the church, they had remodeled the back area. There's, there's a door that goes from, the, from where the pulpit's at, goes into the residence, and they had made a residence, and they were living at the church house. And so they went back into the back of the church, and they both knelt down, and they began to pray, and they said, God, we can't live on C, G, and F. <laughs> We need some help. We need you to bless our children with musical talent. And did you know that all of their children can play almost three instruments? Did you know that? That the grandchildren now are coming up. And just the other day, I was videoing my son as he played a beautiful piece of classical. He was reading sheet music and playing a beautiful full piece on the keyboard. And, and all of this is not me going, look at what my son can do. I literally go backwards and say an awesome God was in their mind. They said, you know what? We don't know how to play any better than this and worship God at any, of a, any kind of a higher level than this. So we're going to pray that God would bless our kids to do that and so then whenever I see my son or my daughter sit down and begin to play at the at the piano at home I don't look at how amazing and how beautiful it is when I close my eyes to hear just the notes and the beauty of the music I go all the way back to a grandmother and a grandfather that knew how to pray to an awesome God and said I know there's a God that not only can give us a song but that can teach my kids how to play those songs and if those songs aren't even written he can teach them how to write them that can bring people into the presence of God. And so our services are not just moments where we get to offer God praise, but it's moments where we get to join collectively with the body of Christ worldwide, as I talked about, and lift up a holy and powerful and awesome God. Your talents are not for you. Your gifts are not just for you. The grace you have on your life is not just for you. The times he picked you up is not just for you the blessings he gave you they're not just for you the money in your bank account is God's money the car you drove here is God's car this place is God's house and we need to do whatever gives him glory and gives him honor so when we leave here we're not the only ones saying I have an awesome God we have people that leave this place and they say surely we have been with the Lord and here God is awesome but now he's my God and I serve an awesome God. Amen. Somebody stand with me if you would to your feet. All of this is simply to show the world that he is an awesome God. If you have never encountered God in the way that I'm speaking of, if you've never had an experience so powerful that you walk away going, I've never felt anything like that. This is the experience that I want to share with you. That's what that Bible study is all about that I passed out. That you can have a spiritual experience with God that makes you go, he is so awesome, there's nothing else I want. There's nothing in this world. Whenever they came, when Jesus turned to him, he said he had multitudes that gathered around him as he was teaching. And other times, they would all leave when he said some very hard things to swallow. And they would all leave. And sometimes Jesus would turn to the disciples and say, are you going to 
to go also. And they would say, where are we going to go? Only you have the words of life. Only you have what I really, really need. You are the one that is, that is all that I need. And that's the experience I offer to you today. If you bow your head with me, I want to pray over you and ask God to do something powerful so that you can experience our awesome God the way that we all know he can do great and mighty things. God, I stand before you wanting to see your awesome power. I want to see your great, great gifts given to men, God. But when you when you do this work, I want it to be so evident that it was you that we can't help but return to you and praise you. But also, I want somebody in this room to know that there's more to life than the daily grind. There's more to life than just getting the kids ready on every morning and getting out the door and getting some place to where they need to be. I, I want somebody in here to know there's more to life than just going through the routines. There is an awesome and powerful God. And while we live our day-to-day life, God, would you help us to understand the magnitude of what you're doing inside of us. We could not get here on our own. We could not do what we do on our own. And you've given us so many blessings. God, I just pray you open our eyes and give us a new perspective in this place. Would you take our thinking higher than our thinking is right now? Would you give us a revelation moment to each one of our lives where we don't go, man, it's just not good right now, or man, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get where I want to be. Those goals seem too lofty for me that I've set for myself. Don't celebrate just where you're going. Celebrate the God that's going to get you there. God, help us to understand your awesome in the good and the bad, in the happy and the sad. You're God of great things, regardless of what we see. And I'm praying for a new perspective of faith on somebody's life this morning, that you would be their awesome God. When we get in that car, help us to say thank you, Jesus, for this car. When we walk into our homes we're so blessed with, would you help us to say thank you, Lord, for this home and this blessing. Would you remind us of all the things you've done in our life? And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen.